4: The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
1: White flag is out. One more lap to go, and it's Corey Heim stepping out of line in turn one. Here comes the move for the win. Here's Corey Heim to the bottom of the racetrack. He'll bring John Hunter Nemechek's slap truck with him, and coming into the fray, Ben Rhodes as well. Corey
5: Heim has got a buffer right now between him and the second-place truck of Ben Rhodes. That would be John Hunter Nemechek. Heim on the bottom of the racetrack. Here comes Ben Rhodes looking. Heim goes up the block. Come off the corner. Here comes Corey. Heim, rookie driver out of Marietta, Georgia, first career win in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, and it happens at
0: Atlanta.
4: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here as we join you in the wake of a trip to the brand new Atlanta Motor Speedway. And it was a great weekend for Hendrick Motorsports and William Byron. Got his first win of the season on that new Atlanta. Corey Heim did the same in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Both gentlemen will join us here on the show And talk about those wins over the weekend. Alan Gustafson, who is a Hendrick Motorsports counterpart with William Byron. Of course, Alan's crew chief for Chase Elliott. He'll join the show as well. He'll talk about Atlanta coming up this weekend at Circuit of the Americas, the first road course race of the year. We'll pick Alan's brain and get his thoughts as he'll join us as well. We'll profile two drivers that have been dominant on road courses as we head to Circuit of the Americas this weekend. And by the way, a hint. Well, one of those drivers is Allen's driver. We'll also preview the racing at Coda. as it'll be the first time the next gen car will take to a road course. And we've got a whole lot more for you as well. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest headlines in NASCAR Nation. Kyle?
6: Mike, NASCAR and Goodyear were to be conducting a tire test at the 1.5-mile Kansas Speedway this week in preparation of the NASCAR Cup Series race there on May 15th. But weather has forced officials to reschedule the session until next week. Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, and Tyler Reddick are scheduled to participate. There are several notables on the entry list for this weekend's NASCAR triple header at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. Kyle Busch will return to the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series for Saturday's Xpel 225 in his Kyle Busch Motorsports number no. 51 Toyota, while Taylor Gray will join older brother Tanner in the field with David Gilliland Racing. Saturday's NASCAR Xfinity Series race will see the likes of Vegas Winner, Cole Custer, Ross Chastain, road racing ace Miguel Paluto and Bubba Wallace, who will make his debut in Joe Gibbs Racing's number 18 car. And in Sunday's NASCAR Cup Series race, two-time NASCAR Wheeling Euro Series champion Loris Hazemans, he'll make his Cup Series debut with Team Hesburg, while former Cup Series Rookie of the Year Andy Lally returns to the field for Live Fast Racing. And Darlington Raceway has announced that the throwback parade returns this year, to kick off the track's May race weekend. The parade through downtown Darlington will take place on Saturday, May 7th, just after the day's NASCAR Xfinity Series race in one day prior to the NASCAR Cup Series 400-mile race on the track too tough to tame. Mike?
1: Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, William Byron joins us to reflect on his win this past weekend at the newly reconfigured Atlanta Motor Speedway. And later, we'll talk with two of his teammates who have mastered the art of road course racing.
4: This is NASCAR
1: Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This past weekend, we visited the new Atlanta Motor Speedway. Following the conclusion of racing last year, AMS underwent a reconfiguration and a repavement that brought on a new style of racing. William Byron was able to adapt as he went to victory lane on Sunday. Our Jason Toy had a chance to catch up with the Hendrick Motorsports driver to discuss the changes at Atlanta and how he was able to hold off the field.
2: All right, William, congratulations. Big win over the weekend in Atlanta. Uh, You know, after, you know what, I talked quite a bit here this season, especially on the West Coast swing. The first two races weren't the greatest, but you guys really kind of stayed focused. You had good runs, just didn't have the finish to show it in those first two. But the last three weeks, now you got the victory. What's the last three weeks been like for you guys?
7: I appreciate it. Now it's been a been a crazy, crazy start to the year. We started, started at Daytona and, and was running really well and, and unfortunately got wrecked there. And then, uh, California was kind of the same thing. We we're running inside the top five and, um, definitely had a, a car capable of winning there and, and, uh, didn't, didn't cap it off, but definitely to, to, um, you know get through all those challenges and come to Atlanta motivated to win, uh, was, was really good to see. And, uh, just felt like we've felt like we've been on a roll lately of just uh, bringing fast cars, and, and it, it's good to see that it pays off. Let's talk about Atlanta.
2: We knew kind of the unknown going in and how it was going to race, if the groove was going to open up, how quick it was going to open up, but it, it, it truly stayed true to it. It raced like a super speedway on a mile and a half track. What was your afternoon like and also those final restarts? What was going through your mind and all that pressure on you?
7: Certainly, um, you know, I think it did. it did race like a a mile and a half in the super speedway together i felt like it was kind of the old kind of like the old 550 package where uh where you had to keep the throttle open and and uh you know try to stay wide open if you could get get your car to be able to, to do that and we did a good job from practice to the race just just adjusting on the car to get it to where we could do that and and then towards the end of the race it, it definitely turned into a super speedway with the the cooler temperatures towards the end of the of the night and then everyone getting their car a little bit better so definitely came down to strategy of how to pick lanes and and when to do the right the right decisions and um glad that our guys made the right decisions and that you know my spotter and i could work well together uh to to stay out front
2: give the race fans a perspective on this how much obviously you talk about your spotter has done a great job for you but at a track like that, when you're out leading and you're coming down to the final lap, are you staying focused, looking ahead, or are you going back and forth between that computer screen of a rearview mirror?
7: Uh, I would say probably looking out the mirror the whole lap. You know, I don't I don't remember ever ever glancing forward. Maybe just just to kind of reference where I was occasionally, but um, yeah, I, I think uh, pretty much just kind of going wherever they were in the mirror uh, to make the decisions, make the blocks. And uh, that kind of gives you an idea of where you are. It's a weird it's a weird thing how you you know, kind of multitask in that situation. But um, just glad it worked out and glad that we can make the right decisions.
2: Well, you made the right decisions. You got the victory. Now, in this season of unknowns with this new car and how things are going to respond and react, we go to another new challenge. You go to a road course at Coda this week. You got the dirt tracks still to come later on. You got the short tracks of Martinsville and Bristol, you know, Bristol later on in the year down the road. How much confidence now you guys have that win when you guys go into these races, how much more can you kind of see what this car really has for you?
7: I think we have a lot of confidence. Definitely uh, looking forward to, you know, continuing to race and and learn as we go throughout the season, because it is such a, such a long season that you have to, uh, you have to continue to make strides and gains as the, as the year goes along, and I feel like we're in a good position now with the win we have to go to this first road course race this weekend at Coda, learn some things that'll that'll be really important as we go throughout the year uh, to get our road course program better and better, uh, you know, to be good in the playoffs, and then and then ultimately just uh, you know race hard and, and try to adapt as we go. So it's exciting now that we have a win. There's you know, a lot less pressure and. We can um, we can just kind of adapt to these to these weeks as they go. Well, I know it's
2: early in the week, but looking ahead at weather, I don't see the, the chance of rain for us at Austin like we had last year. Obviously, totally different uh, this time around for you. What do you anticipate how this race is going to happen this week?
7: I think it's going to be uh, definitely dry, so it's going to be hot mm-hmm. too, and I feel like that's going to make uh, make for a challenging race as a driver, but. I think um, if we can just uh, continue to put ourselves in a good position throughout the weekend, it's going to be a lot of learning on Saturday, and hopefully we can qualify well to get a good pit selection and then uh, work our way towards the front on Sunday. So it's going to be a challenge. Like you said, last year we, we were in the, the rain the whole time at Coda, and this year, going back, we're going to be uh, full dry. So it's going to make for a new challenge
2: you went back a little bit to your roots here this year. You've been running a little bit more late model races. Matter of fact, you got a win on Saturday in the late model race up at Hickory before you came back to Atlanta. How much is that? How much fun are you having with that? And then what's that doing for you when you get the, in the car on Sunday?
7: Yeah, I'm having a great time. It's, it's uh, definitely, it's something that I've wanted to do for a little while now and seeing, seeing Larson go do it last year and knowing, you know, our guys have been really supportive of us going to do other races. So for me, it's, it's uh logistically is a lot of moving parts, but for me as a driver, it's great to uh to go do that and um you know have some fun, be able to go go race and, and have fun, not not have the pressure of, of the cup series. And and it kind of trickles over into the, the cup series on Sunday with just having that same mentality. So nice to um nice to see it pay off and I feel like there's hopefully a lot more of that to come this year. Hopefully I can continue to add some more races. Keep putting those trophies in the trophy case right that's right <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey real quick before we let you go you know uh, a lot of your competitors your fellow competitors are you know doing things in the micros or something like that and running some dirt and obviously looking ahead towards the dirt race at bristol what do you do to get ready for the break the dirt race at bristol
7: yeah i don't really have a plan yet but uh hopefully i mean i'm looking at doing some other other things i've been talking to kyle a lot about about dirt races and uh maybe do some some dirt late mall races sometime soon so just have to kind of see how it develops i don't know if i'll have anything before bristol dirt but luckily bristol dirt you know went well for us last year we had a pretty good run finished sixth and if we can just kind of learn from what we did last year obviously a new car but it'll be fun to, to do that and uh you know i think i think as we go we'll hopefully add some dirt races here in the summer obviously got
2: a great sponsor liberty university on the side of the on the side of your chevrolet house class is going right now for you
7: yeah good good just kind of uh i haven't had a class in the last month or so but but uh starting back here soon and um i'm pretty close to to finishing so i just gotta you know get through the last push but uh definitely good to continue i'm on the path towards a strategic communications degree and um, uh, you know, good to, good to continue doing that. And, and it kind of keeps me well-rounded
2: William, congratulations on the victory, all the best to, to the family and your mom. It's great seeing her back at the racetrack again, too. So congratulations. We'll see you at Coda.
7: Thank you. Appreciate it, man.
1: Coming up, we'll highlight two drivers who have dominated road course racing of late and later Alan Gustafson stops by.
4: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
1: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Chase Elliott has been dubbed the recent king of road course racing, having won at several road course races over the last few seasons. But... He's not alone. His Hendrick Motorsports teammate Kyle Larson staked his claim to the throne by winning at road courses last season. Our Kurt Becker is here to help us analyze the road course dominance of Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson.
5: The NASCAR Cup Series heads back to the Lone Star State, Texas, to the Circuit of the Americas for the second year in a row, and this weekend's racing in Austin will offer a first look at the next-gen car on a road course. When it comes to road course racing, the past few seasons, the top two drivers have both come from Hendrick Motorsports, as defending NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Larson and 2020 champion Chase Elliott have set themselves apart from the field. In the first six full seasons of his Cup Series career, Chase Elliott has positioned himself as one of the top road course racers of the current generation, which makes it all the more fitting that Elliott's first career win occurred on a road course. It came at Watkins Glen in 2018. Chase Elliott trying to close the deal at the Glen.
6: Chase Elliott, the race leader, but only by about a car length and a half. Here comes Martin Truex Jr. off of turn number five. Looks to drivers right now. Truex is off the pace on the straightaway into turn six. It is Chase Elliott all by himself at the front of the field in turn
5: seven for the final time. All this time, we've been wondering, when would it happen? It's going to happen today at Watkins Glen. In his 99th start, Chase Elliott is going to victory lane. Since that victory, Elliott has gone on to win at Watkins Glen for a second time and at four different road courses over the past four seasons, including at the Charlotte Roval, the Daytona
6: road course. On a historic day in NASCAR here at Daytona on the road course, it would be a win you would never forget. Who's going to get back to the line first? final time through 13 and 14. Hamlin is there. All over the back end of Chase Elliott, it's going to be a drag race. Chase Elliott by a half a car lake. Denny Hamlin right there will not be enough across the line. And Chase Elliott has scored the win in the Go Bowling 235 on the Daytona Road Course.
5: The inaugural Cup Series race at a rain-soaked Circuit of the Americas last season, and most recently in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin at Road America. All alone, Nobody around him. Chase Elliott looking to go back into the history books. The new king of road course racing in NASCAR
6: up the hill for the final time. A win at the historic Road America added to the resume of Chase Elliott up the hill. Checkered flag is out. Everybody is on their feet. And Chase Elliott has won here this afternoon in Wisconsin, his seventh road course win. So what makes Chase Elliott
5: so good on road courses? When asked, he struggles to pinpoint a singular reason.
8: Yeah, I honestly don't know, man. I, I wish I did. Um, I, if I did, I'd I'd tell you maybe. Uh, but I but I honestly don't. I, I really have no idea. I really feel like it's just good cars and um, you know our, our, our team our team as a whole. I mean, our, has been good at road courses the whole time too. I mean, you know Kyle won where at Sonoma, yeah. So I mean, yes, yeah, I I feel like you know driver. Drivers are only as good as what they have to drive, and um, fortunately I feel like I've got, got the best stuff and and just got to gotta make, it, make it work.
5: While Chase Elliott is often viewed as the current
8: king of road courses,
5: his teammate Kyle Larson could be on his way to usurping that title following a stellar 2021 season. Larson staked his claim to the throne last year by winning three of his series high 10 races on road courses. Larson won in his home state of California at Sonoma, where he bested runner-up Elliott in the playoffs at the Charlotte Roval and at Watkins Glen, where he once again led Elliott across the finish line. For the final
2: time, coming off of turn number five, it's Kyle Larson working his way down the short chute, headed towards turn number six. Two lap cars up in front of him. He doesn't have to worry about them right now as he works his way back into the corner. Kyle Larson with a big round of applause from the fans on the stands. Kyle
1: Larson works his way through six, eyeballing seven. Here he is, the final right-hand turn turn number seven. Kyle Larson exits cleanly to the inside of a lap
9: car. Checkered flag in the air and Kyle Larson wins the go bowling at the
10: Glen.
5: While it took Larson until 2021 to record his first win on the road course he showed plenty of optimism about his chances ahead of last season when he spoke to MRN. I've always felt like I'm a pretty good road course driver or at least a qualifier when I was at Ganassi
9: but um, I never seem to race well but I feel like Hendrick's stuff is extremely good on the the tracks that i kind of struggled at in the past so i think if we can kind of you know mold you know, my my driving style uh, where i hopefully continue to be good on mile and a half but then also elevate my game um you know on short tracks and road courses i think we could be really big contenders throughout the year so i'm excited about everything but uh Yeah, I think the the road courses with the success Chase has had on the short tracks, uh, I'm excited for those, too.
5: Hearing that, it should be no surprise that Larson went on to have such great success at road courses during the 2021 campaign. How will he and Elliott fare this season at road course layouts now that the next-gen car is here? We will learn the answer starting this weekend in
1: Austin, Texas. Thank you, Kurt. Coming up, one of those road course crew chiefs joins us. And later, we'll preview racing at Circuit of the Americas.
4: Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. While Chase Elliott has been great at road courses on his own, he's been aided by the guidance and experience of his crew chief, Alan Gustafson. Alan joined MRN's Steve Post and NASCAR Cup Series championship winning crew chief Todd Gordon on an upcoming episode of Crew Call.
2: Great to catch up with you, Alan. Todd and I, before the break, were talking about this car and road racing and how this car seems like it has some characteristics that might be positive in road racing. You guys have been the top road racing team in NASCAR. Just your overall assessment on taking this car to COTA this weekend.
11: Yeah, well, we're excited to do it. I mean, the car on paper should perform really well, right? It's it's symmetric in the underwing and all the things that typically would produce a good car on the road course, really big brakes. So um, yeah, the sequential shifter, I think all those things should make independent rear suspension and the list goes on and on. I think all those things should make the car, uh, drive well and have some good speed. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to understanding it and I'm sure we'll have a steep learning curve at the road courses like we have at the intermediate track. So we'll just start that process and see what we can get to.
3: Yeah. Uh, when you look back at the last, I would say four years and maybe it goes farther than that, but you guys have been the team to beat when it comes to road course racing. You've, you've been dominant. And and I think some of that last year kind of rolled over to the five car as well, but between the two of you, you've, you have owned road course racing. How much, how much of that, of that dominance and, and what you had you think rolls forward into how you prepare this new car? That's, that's a common element for everybody.
11: Yeah. I mean, it's, that's really the question we've all got right now. So, I mean, certainly we know we have great race car drivers and that's going to be something very consistent, but I, I do feel like we had gotten to a point, uh, over, you know, a long time in, I mean, a decade worth of working on road course cars that had got us to a really good place where we could put cars that, you know, had a technical advantage on the track and, and certainly with the new car, um, it's it's we're, we're kind of starting that process over and, and the fields certainly you know parts and pieces wise is much more level so uh yeah we're gonna do everything we can to, to get back to that advantage and and uh hopefully we can get there really quickly but uh i certainly think we've got we're gonna have a lot to learn with this car and uh, you know it's fun to do that and i enjoy that process but certainly uh gives you a little bit of apprehension on
3: performance what what challenges is this next gen car brought to you that weren't expected now that we've raced it a few races.
11: Basically most of the problems that we've faced we kind of knew were going to exist it's just the what magnitude and I think you've seen um you know the lack of side force on these cars makes it difficult to have you know saves or catches or you know not overcorrect I mean I think that's the biggest thing visually you've seen you know a lot of guys just really overcorrect and and uh either spin out or have pretty head on contact with the wall. I mean, so that, that whole phenomenon makes it to where uh, you've got to drive the car differently and set the car up differently. So we've been working through that. And I think the other thing that's, we certainly knew was coming. I don't think we knew through the magnitude, uh, the, the difficulties of pit stops is just, you know, indexing, uh, you know, the aluminum wheels with steel drive pins and the, the, potential issues there and and the shortcomings with uh with that with that process and procedures and yeah working through that that's been a big one uh uh at the forefront of our minds too alan bringing this back to
2: coda uh last year we were down there and raced of course it was a monsoon when we raced down there um i I know the car is different um but but what types of things could you bring out of last year and apply to this year hopefully in dry conditions
6: (laughs)
11: Yeah. I mean, I think just familiar, familiarity with the track and we were fortunate enough to do the test there, which helped because we didn't get a lot of dry running and and then, you know, the tire test and then, uh, you know, the rain came. So we, we've got a good bit of time on the track and uh, it's, you know, it's a big track with a lot of different corners and a lot of speed variation. And, um, you know, it isn't, uh, you know, like a Watkins Glen, that's pretty dominant right hand, you know, Coda's got a good mix of both and it's got a good mix of high speed corners and slow speed corners and big braking zones. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot there to take in and, and the nuances of the track. So, I mean, we're still going to learn a ton, but, uh, I feel like experience wise, we should be positioned fairly well between the two, uh, you know, times we've been out there for the test and for the race, um, and looking forward to, you know, getting the next gen car out there and, and working through that.
3: And heard that there's been some paving done for the F one cars. How much of the racetrack is different than what you had last year?
11: Yeah, I I I looked at some of the Jerry Caprol from NASCAR sent us some of those pictures and it's certainly yeah, it's certainly different and that uh when the track gets paved it uh you know the typically grip comes along with it and then some of the uh you know those bumps. You know, as, as much as people can complain about them, they give you opportunity, right? They give you opportunity for the driver to, to do his job and they give you opportunity for the team to, to gain an advantage there too. So, you know, it's a little bit bittersweet. I mean, you like the fact that, hey, it's probably a little bit easier now that the track's been paved, but uh, I do think some opportunity for advantages go away when that happens typically.
3: Your team explicitly, the nine team, you and Chase uh, and all of your guys, You've been really good for quite a while, but we saw a move last year where Chad came off the box and became more of a management role. And in and, and my perception from being a competitor outside of your organization, not seeing it, I felt like your programs all became more equal. I don't think, I think everybody else kind of rose to you and, and your, your overall, your, did something happen? Is, is, is that just a perception or is, is has, has a dynamic change with Chad in that position?
11: Yeah, I think certainly Chad in that position has brought a lot and, you know, he's got tons of experience and he knows, you know, what's important and where to focus and he certainly can help guide the four teams or influence the four teams and and help the crew chiefs get in the position they need to be. And and certainly uh, I do want to mention, certainly Chad deserves a lot of credit. I think Rudy deserves a lot of credit for uh, what he's brought. Rudy's a really talented guy. Uh, he's a, he's a great crew chief and, and, uh, I think he's brought a lot to our company and certainly to the 24 team. And then, you know, Kyle, you know, nobody, Kyle needs no introduction, uh, in what he brings to, to racing in general and what he can do behind the wheel. Uh, and, you know, certainly the addition to Kyle of Kyle is, is massive. He's, he's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't think he needs any introduction to guys. Uh, track records amazing. So, uh, yeah, between those three key pieces, I think your assessment, Todd, is is right. Everybody's really uh, stepped up their game, and there's we have four cars that uh, every week are competitive to win, and and certainly in the hunt to win uh, races and championships. And that's a, a special thing. It's really hard to do. Um, it's really hard to to. It, it's a little. I don't say a little easier. I mean, it just doesn't sound right, but you know, when you have to have four guys competing all the time together, that's a little bit tougher dynamic than one person or one team that consistently is better. And there's kind of a hierarchy in our, in our company. There is, that is, not it exist. It's all, uh, you know, four at the top. So it's been a lot of fun, you know, managing that. And, and for me, my peers, Greg, certainly I've been with a long time, worked with a long time and, and Cliff and, and the addition of Rudy, it's a great group of guys Um, and it it makes it really easy.
1: Be sure to check out Crew Call every Thursday on MRN.com, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, we'll preview Cup Series Racing at Coda, and later, Corey Heim joins us. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's edition of NASCAR Live. Last year was a literal wash for the inaugural NASCAR Cup Series race at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. What a rainy event that was. But good news is sunshine and 87 for this weekend in the Lone Star State as the Cup Series drivers will drive the next-gen car for the first time at a road course. Here to help us preview what's to come on Sunday is our Kyle Ricky.
6: Last season, anticipation was high when the NASCAR Cup Series headed to the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas for the first time. The -the state-of-the-art venue had hosted numerous Formula One races in the past, and the appetite to see stock cars on this track was high. The crowd was large and enthusiastic all weekend, but torrential downpours put a damper on the entire weekend. The Cup race was eventually called early because of that weather, and Chase Elliott was declared the winner. This weekend, gets a second chance to show what kind of racing it can produce. Kurt Busch has already looked ahead at the schedule and is more excited to be battling the heat instead of the rain. Yeah, I already
8: checked the weather. It's supposed to be 86 and sunny. Uh, we're good on the rain, and now we have the heat to battle. That'll be um, a, a topic. Also, tire drop-off. If we're going to be out there running in the in the sunny conditions with our sticker tires or the the non tires how much is the tire going to drop off because of the length of track so i i think you can just really put it into the road america mindset on what you'll see and what you'll experience and that turned out to be a really good show last summer
6: the track isn't the only storyline this weekend this will be the first race for the next gen car on a road course the car features numerous changes and elliot thinks the new car might be built for this kind of racing
8: you know these these cars really a lot of the design pieces come from uh, a road race background some of the things we see and and on the msa side of things so i i really think they're probably going to suit road racing well i think they'll be fine and i don't know that the race will really look a ton different honestly but i think the cars will drive fine but certainly getting used to those small things that are going to be a little different and the shifting and and the brakes you know and just how they how they act at some of those different uh style of corners because you know coda has a lot of different Angles and weird, you know, off-camera situations. So curious to see how it drives, but I think it'll be fine. William
6: Byron is fresh off a win at Atlanta, and he is excited to see how the bigger brakes and sequential shifter impact big moves on the track.
7: With this car, yeah, it's just go as fast as you can in that braking zone. Be as aggressive as you can, and get the downshifts done whenever you you have time to. So. Um, I think it's, you know, it's going to make for a lot more aggressive passing, you know, because I think guys are going to dive bomb. And, and if you're close to a guy, you're going to obviously try to outbreak him. So, um, you know, you're going to see, like, whenever I see, like, an F1 guy or, or somebody like that, an open-wheel guy come to a NASCAR car, the current car, like, they struggle with that, you know, downshifting and having to wait to downshift. So um, I think it'll kind of eliminate all that.
6: Byron's teammate, Alex Bowman, has developed into a solid road racer, and he thinks the biggest change for the new car on a track like Coda will be the new independent rear
8: suspension. I think the biggest change is going to IRS and eliminating so much wheel hop and and that issue. You know, the road course guys were really good at maximizing the braking potential while staying away from wheel hop, and when it did start to wheel hop, really good at controlling it, Uh, whereas now I think there's you know way less of that Um, so that's different the changes don't stop there, though. Former Cup Series
6: champion Joey Logano is focused on how the wider tire will impact the racing.
8: You know, with the, the wider tire, you're just able to carry more speed for the most part, right? You can drive in harder, you got bigger brakes. Drive in the corner harder, you got more mechanical grip with the bigger tire. Uh, you also have a softer compound than what we just raced here as well. Uh, so, so I think that's some of the biggest things you notice. And then I think the independent rear suspension giving it a lot more rear bite uh, especially leaving the corners it seems like that's where uh, that stands out the most
6: with all of those new changes last year's Coda pole winner Tyler Reddick thinks everyone will level up a little in terms of their road racing prowess
9: when you have suspension like that 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 we've polished and polished on on for for literally like half a century we made a lot better but there's still a lot can go wrong whenever you do make a mistake miss a shift um, hit the brakes the wrong time you know miss a miss your blip don't rev match it properly. Uh, apply too much brake pressure too late in the zone. You know you have that wheel hop, and when you when you lose it, you lose it big. With these cars, you know you you do push it right to that limit still. But when you step over it, you don't fly off the racetrack or fly off the you know fly, blow through a chicane like you would. Um, you're still trying to maximize it and, and never want to step over the edge um, and, and pay that penalty. But the penalty is certainly less, so drivers will be able to become more aggressive with it. I think everyone will kind of get. We'll we'll definitely take a step up in getting better and not making the mistakes we've kind of grown to to see in the Cup Series at road courses with Wheel Hop. It's just, it's going to go away because Wheel Hop really won't be a factor like that
6: we will see how everything plays out this weekend in texas the nascar cup series echo park automotive texas grand prix on sunday will be the main event but mrn will get coverage rolling for the weekend on saturday for the nascar camping world truck series expel 225 at 12 30 p.m eastern time
1: thank you kyle and considering we're off to texas this weekend for this week's mrn classic race we'll be Going back to the 1979 Texas 500 at the Texas World Speedway in College Station. Here's a flashback.
5: Coming all the way from fourth position to the lead is Waltrip. Here he comes across the stripe. Labonte drafts him just inches away. Earnhardt is third. They're back in one.
2: Waltrip leads it. Going for second is Earnhardt out of turn two. Dale Earnhardt runs high on Terry Labonte. The two rookies locked in a battle. Here comes Buddy Baker on the inside going to make it three wide in the
1: back stretch. Three as They go down the back straightaway. Buddy Baker taking the inside. This time he tries to step on the button, but it remains three wide. Now Labonte backs off as they go into the turn. It's going to be Buddy Baker running second behind Darrell Waltrip. You're that race on MRN Classics this week on MRN.com and on many of these same MRN stations. This MRN flashback is brought to you by Mahindra, the official tractor of Tuff and Stuart Haas Racing. Coming up, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Corey Heim joins us, and later this week in NASCAR history.
4: This is NASCAR
1: Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Corey Heim is racing in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series in a part-time capacity this season. This, after racing 22 times for KaBuSport Motorsports last year, the 19-year-old is back with a 15-race schedule and he's already making noise, winning Saturday afternoon at the Atlanta Motor Speedway for the first time in the Truck Series. MRN's Kim Coon sat down with Corey to look back on his career milestone.
10: Corey, congratulations on the win. I mean, this must feel like a dream. Only your fifth start in trucks, your first start at Atlanta, and you come home with the win.
12: Yeah, I appreciate it, Cam. It was pretty unbelievable just to be at my home track, my, my fifth start, as you mentioned, and um, just to be there with my friends and family in the grandstands. I actually had some friends in the pit box, you know, joining me in my, my home track return. And um, it was super special for me to go out there and compete, and, and even more than that, just win the race. So it was awesome to be there and get the win.
10: Like you mentioned, a home race for you being from Marietta. You're the first Georgia driver to win in Atlanta in trucks, which I found so surprising because we've seen so many strong drivers come through the truck series. What does winning in your home state mean to you? And to know that stat that you're the first one. I mean, we've seen Austin Hill in trucks. We've seen Chase Elliott in trucks, but you're the first.
12: Yeah, I've actually never heard that stat before, so that's pretty special. But yeah, just to be home, you know, like I mentioned, I grew up racing there on the, on the Little Legends of Wild Fun. I've always dreamed of racing a truck series race there or Xfinity or Cup, any kind of NASCAR race. And, and to go there and win is, is super, super special to me. And, you know, as you mentioned, being the first one, that's pretty surreal to, to know that, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Austin Hill and Chase Elliott have raced there before. But to be the first one super special. And I can't thank KBM and Toyota Racing enough for everything they do.
10: how do you celebrate?
12: Honestly, I drove right home and just kind of hung out with my friends for a little bit. But, um, you know, it was a long five-hour drive home, got home around midnight. But um, just to, you know, like I mentioned, just to be there and and have that win is so special to me.
10: You win with a last lap pass. What was going through your mind in the closing laps? You knew you had teammates around you, but what were you thinking?
12: Yeah, honestly, I think if I didn't have all the time to really think about it, it might not have gone gone as smooth as it really did. Um, You know, I was behind Chandler for, I think, at least 15 laps there just to of thinking about where to size them up and I was trying to you know almost simulate runs and trying to see where I could kind of set it up the best and I figured you know out of turn four was the best move for me and having my teammate behind me helped me out a little bit but um, I dug a little bit of break out of turn four and kind of gave him a bit of a gap and made a run for it and you know at the end of the day it all worked out so um, my spotter Derek Nealon really spotted me through the whole deal and he did an awesome and a big big role in that entire thing as well
10: you've proven your prowess on those type of tracks with three super speedway wins and ARCA How much do you think the Atlanta track update contributed to your success there?
12: Yeah, I think a lot, really. Going into the race, no one was really sure how it was going to race, whether it was going to race like an intermediate or a super speedway, but um, it turned out to be kind of a little bit of a, a combination or a hybrid, if you will, of a super speedway and a mile and a half track. So, um, you know, what's crazy about that is I actually used like a super speedway method to, to pass somebody to pass for the win. So uh, going into that race, I really had no idea that that was what it was going to take to win the race, but um, so be it. It ended up happening. So it's pretty pretty interesting to be a part of that kind of first style race in NASCAR.
10: We saw you in a handful of uh, KBM races last year. This was race two of what's going to be a 15 race deal with KBM in 2022. Now that you've got a win under your belt with them, do you have to reset or rethink your goals and expectations for the rest of the season with KBM?
12: Yeah, I think for us, it's just to keep the pedal down and keep trying to win races. You know, in all of our races last year, we started out at Darlington, had a lot of speed. I really think we should have ran top three there. Then we go to Watkins Glen and struggled a little bit, but we still had a lot of speed in Martinsville as well later in the year. So those three races, I knew we had speed. So our goals were set on just winning races this year. Um, You know, of course, I can't compete for the driver's championship, but I can compete for the owner's championship. So in the long term run, you know, our owner's championship is definitely the goal for us. But I think in the short term and for the regular season, since we're already locked in for the playoffs now or the owners playoffs I should say Um, you know our goal is just to win races and try to further our points lead uh, in the owners playoffs
10: you're only 19 what do you see the trajectory of your racing career being
12: Yeah, it's really hard to say, you know, ever since I've been really 15 and started, um, you know, taking this career path more as a a career outlook rather than almost just a hobby when I was a kid. Um, So it's almost been four years where I've really been trying to put a career together with it, even though I'm still relatively young as a race car driver. So, um, you know, with those four years, I think it's been kind of. Sightset set more on a job and really preparing week by week and trying to you know go out and win races rather than just having fun with it so um i've never really known what my next year holds for me but i've really just tried to go out and make the most of my opportunities so um of course one day i want to be a successful cup driver I, I love racing in nascar and that's always been my dream but um, i'm going to take it year by year and just try to do the best i can
10: who are the drivers that you look at like man i would love my career to to match that
12: Yeah, I've always been really inspired by, you know, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. I'm a lot of racing drivers. I've always really looked up to that team and and those drivers. So, um, you know, as a a young kid, I've always been a huge Denny Hamlin fan. And I was, I remember being in my downstairs basement, watching him get his first Daytona 500 win and being like super excited. So, you know, my goal is to one day win the Daytona 500. So that's definitely a career goal for me. And of course, Kyle Busch has won several championships and that's something also to look up to. So um, I don't know if I could put my my, um, goals on one driver. I kind of want to, you know, be Corey High more than anything and, you know, take my own career path. But if anything, I think, you know, Kyle Bush and Denny Hamlin have had some, some really high, high highs and and low lows in their career, but they've had an awesome career all in all.
10: Well, we know uh, Kyle's going to be in the truck for CODA. When do we see you back in the truck next?
12: Um, my next race is looking like Darlington. I think Kyle's racing Coda. He's racing Martinsville. And then they, they're bringing someone else in for the races, I believe. So, um, you know, my next race is going to be Darlington, it looks like. But I'm going to try to make all the races regardless of whether I'm racing or not, just because I feel like going to Las Vegas and kind of being a part of the team while, while Kyle is racing was very beneficial for me. So um, I'm going to go to Coda this weekend, try to take some notes, and hopefully I get to race that race next year.
1: Thank you, Kim. Coming up, Susie Armstrong has this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We're about to throw the checkered flag on this week's NASCAR Live, but before we do, she's back. Here's Susie Armstrong with This Week in NASCAR History.
13: Mike 1982 Joan Jett and the black Blackhearts put a few coins in the jukebox with the chart-topping anthem I love rock and roll hockey legend Wayne Gretzky proved he was truly the great one becoming the first NHL player to score 200 points in a season and Daryl Waltrip's prodigious skills were on display in Georgia as the wily veteran drove the Mountain Dew Buick to victory lane in the Coca-Cola 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway.
0: Yeah.
3: going to let Yarbrough make a move.
2: He ducked to the inside, found that they could not get by that lap automobile either. Now as they come into three again, Waltrip going low, but Petty's able to hold him off. Waltrip gets inside. Now let's see if he can pull
5: it. Caution is on the speedway as they race down to the line. Caution comes out. Waltrip is there, door to door with Richard Petty. Who's going to lead the lap as they come to the line? It looked like it was Waltrip by just inches, but we're going to wait and see what they say on that one. We are under caution here at Atlanta.
2: NASCAR officials have called the
5: event.
4: Darrell Waltrip is the winner of the Coke 500 and
13: 1999, Cher reimagined her sound and employed a little auto-tune for the lead single from her 22nd album, Believe. Whichever pill you took, you couldn't avoid the dystopian world of Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne in the first installment of the hit trilogy, The Matrix. And Jeff Burton wasn't distracted by the machines surrounding him at the track too tough to tape, scoring the win in the Trans-South Financial 400 at Darlington Raceway.
4: Oh.
6: here through the traffic and set a pretty good pace trouble off turn four cars spinning down the front straightaway kenny irwin into the inside wall ricky craven is into the inside wall as well jerry nadu spins things have happened in a hurry here a crash off of turn number four just as the caution came out and then the rain begins to fall here at the racetrack all of this happening involving a number of cars and we are getting word from nascar right now as we speak that this race is over this racetrack cannot be dried before dark. Yeah, you're the winner. Congratulations. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the
8: that's the strangest Twilight, way I've ever won Darlington. That's for oh, oh, sure. Oh, okay. We never won Darlington. But
3: Peace
1: up, A-Town. <laughs> yeah, Hush. yeah.
13: 2004 Usher, Little John and Ludacris were certified platinum joining forces to create the crunk and B hot 100 mega hit yeah Mel Gibson takes a big risk and rakes in box office profits with the somewhat controversial art house film The Passion of the Christ and Jimmy Johnson had the desire for victory in the sand hills of South Carolina leading 69 laps to win the Carolina Dodge Dealers 400 at Darlington
2: Johnson has been sliding down here in turn three. Labonte goes up
5: high. Now he pulls a
2: fake, looking low. Labonte follows off turn four.
5: Labonte, within a car length, looking for a chance to make a move. Will he be able to do it coming down the line? No, he will not. And Jimmy Johnson scores his first win at the Darlington Raceway, holding off a hard-charging
13: Bobby Labonte. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history.
1: Thank you, Susie. Be sure to join us this Thursday for another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. If you've already subscribed to NASCAR Live, you'll automatically get it. If you haven't, you can get NASCAR Live wide open wherever you get your podcasts. Our thanks to William Byron, Alan Gustafson, and Corey Heim for joining us on today's show. And for the entire MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you for joining us as well. Until then, so long, everyone.
4: NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.
2: Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes.